For those of you that don't know me, my name is Bob Martin. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Paul, and uh, I'm so glad uh, to, to be in worship with you. We're actually in uh, week two of our series. We're starting a new series called Surviving the Wilderness, and we've been talking a little bit about, you know, what do you do when your back's against the wall? What do you do when, when you feel like you've run out of options, and is it kind of a fight or flight or, or, or where to go? And last week, as I began uh, this series, we talked about the importance of faith, but I shared with you that it's merely not just having faith, but it's actually uh, a little bit greater than that. And we intertwined in the story of Abraham. If you haven't had a chance to uh, hear that message, you can go on our app, you can go on our website, look in the messages archive. It'll help bring you up to speed with where we're going in this series. But I shared with you a story about uh, an RV salesman that I met on a plane flying back from the West Coast with my wife, Patty, a couple of years ago. I got stuck in um, row 35 while she was in 15, and the guy next to me, I just wanted to sleep, and he was a talker. You ever had one of those on a plane? And all he wanted to do was just talk. And, and he made a profound statement that kept me engaged for the five-hour flight coming back, where he said, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. And, and it was interesting. So, so as we talked about that, I began to learn a little bit more about his story. But what, what came out of that was this, and that is that, that it's not just what you believe, but you have to believe in the one who has created all things. That Abraham had faith, but really what Abraham had was faith in the one who was sending him. God was sending him. And we learned last week about the importance of that. Well, this week uh, we're going to talk about, you know, why it's important to have friends, why it's important to have a community of people that support you, that surround you, that when you're walking through life's wilderness, when things aren't going the right way in life, that having people that are near you and with you and the right people makes a difference so that you can actually get through whatever the challenges are uh, that you're confronted with. I was thumbing through Genesis this week, and um, I don't know about you, but I know with me that, that when I go back and I read through the scriptures, I might think I might know a story. I might think that I know everything that there might be about that story, or, uh, but what I find out is when I reread things, God always surprises me every time. God brings out something in the story that for whatever reason I didn't catch before, or brings a different lens for me to look through, and it's like an aha moment. Does, does that ever happen to you? It's kind of one of those neat discoveries, and I was thumbing through the creation story this week because it was really important to get a foundation of creation as we talked about you know, having friends that surround us in a community. And I was looking at all of the ways in which God created, and after God created the heavens and the earth and the vegetation and the seas and all things, it says that God saw that and said it was what? Good. He said it was good. And then I read down further where it says that God created man. So God created Adam. And, and after God created Adam, I noticed what was missing. God did not say it was good. Did you catch that? Maybe you had caught that before, but I kind of just breezed through that. And, and I went back and said, wow, that's interesting. And what God realized was that Adam alone couldn't survive. That Adam needed a helper, Adam needed a teammate, Adam needed community, that Adam couldn't do life by himself. And, and depending upon whether you read uh, one creation uh, perspective or a different, the anthropomorphic side of God puts Adam asleep and removes the rib, or if you just read the, uh, the, the other side, the, the priestly version where it just says that God created them male and female. But what we find out is that God creates out of man, woman. And, and someone asked me one time, well, where'd, that, where'd that word come from, woman? And I said, well, when Adam first saw Eve, he went, woman, you know? And he was excited. 
And that's where woman, no, really, it means out of man comes woman. So, so anyway, um, so God created community. And in that very beginning, then after God created Eve, then it says in the creation story, and God saw all that he had created and then said it is very good. So community is extremely important, extremely important. So, so here's the beautiful part about creation. God did not create you to do life alone. God created you to have others in your life. God created you, not only with a purpose, but so that you could surround yourself with other people, other people who have an influence in your life, other people who can help you as you're trying to survive through the wilderness of life. You see, it's all about how we put people together. Now, uh, I look at my life and I, and I wonder sometimes, you know, there are people that are in my life that, that I didn't do anything to like recruit them to be a part of my life, but, but they fell into my life somehow and they've been some amazing people. And I look at that, that those are God's gifts to me. Maybe you have some folks like that too, like, that you can just look at some friends or some relationships and you can say, I have no idea how that happened, but, but God had to have brought that person in my life. Then there's other people that, that you specifically do recruit. You, you see somebody and you like, hey, we've got some common things. We've, we've got things that we have in common, things that we like. And out of that develops a relationship or a friendship or, or a deepened um, relatability that you have. And next thing you know, because of that, you're becoming closer and closer as part of a community. Well, the scriptures say that when we support each other, when we love each other, some great things can happen. And, and, but what it also says is, is that when we support each other and when we love each other, we are handing out God's grace to other people. Now, listen, listen to what uh, Peter says here. Peter says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. So the clue here is, is that, that people were not created to serve you. They weren't created to serve me. We're actually to, what, serve others, right? So, so Peter reminds us, he said, each one's been given whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And what that says is, is that when we work with others, when we love others, when, when we are doing life with others, we are extending the grace of God, God's grace itself to that person and in that relationship. But you see, the relationships, they, they bring something to the table. And I just, I, there's a lot of things relationships bring to the table. I just want to look at, look at a couple of them. And the first one might be like something like support. So, so have you ever felt like life is um, kind of an uphill battle? Uh, do you feel like sometimes you're like pushing this huge boulder up a hill and just feel like every day the challenges that come with life and you wonder at the end of the day, am I going to have the strength to, to, to push this boulder the, to, out of the way or is it just going to kind of roll over me? It's kind of like that Indiana Jones movie where he's running that big boulders coming. Is that how life feels sometimes? You see, people come into our lives because what they do is they add the abilities of things that we don't have. So when you and I don't have the strength, others bring the support. They bring the support and the things that we're lacking so that we can complete life in general and we have the strength to do that. Here, here's the second one, love. People bring love into our relationships. And love is very key. Again, here's Peter. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, none of us is perfect. You know, the preacher's not perfect. None of us is perfect. We're all sinners. We're all fallen. And that's why we need, you know, Jesus as our Savior, right? That's, that's why Christ died for our sins because we are sinners. But what, what Peter is saying here is, is so important. He says that love, love is the standard that, 
is the cut above all things. That love looks at who you are honestly. That love sees you flaws and all, or as that old saying would say, warts and all. And that person, as they love you, they see you for who you are. You can't hide from it. You don't want to hide from it. You just want to just let them see you for who you are. And because they know you as who you are and see your faults, they choose to love you anyway. And that's a, that's a huge thing, that love, love takes the sting out of life. That, that when things aren't going right, when we're loved, it changes everything for us in an instant. Courage. So, somebody say the word courage. Okay, there's like one person over here. Everybody say courage. courage. Okay, great, great. So, so you, don't, you don't need me to tell you, but the scriptures don't promise that life is perfect, does it? It doesn't say that when you accept Jesus as your savior, that you're never gonna have a problem, that you're never gonna be plagued with an issue, that you're not gonna get depressed, you're not gonna always be happy. I mean, you know, it, what it basically says is that life brings its challenges and the challenges that come with that. But we, we, we are in situations when we can't face life. Our friends and our community, the people that love us, can surround us and encourage us to have courage. Paul is trying to encourage the people in the midst of this huge battle that they're in. And, and he says here in Acts, he says, keep up your courage for I have faith that God will, uh, it'll happen just as God had told me it would happen. So Paul is encouraging the people and he's saying that no matter how bad things can look, no matter how difficult things can be, always have courage. You might not always win on that, but, but have courage that God will help see that through. You see, courage is what gives us the help in times of fear. Courage is what helps give us the opportunities when we feel like we're failures. When, when people surround us with courage, it, it changes all that. When things that we're up against just look too big, courage is what changes the game for us in that aspect. Here's the next one, value. Say the word value. Okay, this one's really important uh, because the people that you choose to hang out with are gonna shape your values. I don't know how else to say it. So, so if you're choosing to hang out with people that have godly values, if you're choosing to hang out with people that, that have Christian values, if you're choosing to hang out with people that, that understand what the fruit of the Spirit is, then the odds are that that's going to be the kind of environment that's going to percolate in you. And, and so, so it calls into our attention when we're looking at who we're going to surround ourselves with, we need to make a choice. We're either going to make a choice with people that, that are godly people or we're going to make a choice to be with people who aren't godly people. And the scriptures move us into the direction to say that God wants us on this path to holiness. And then holiness brings about our ability to love because in, as we're being holy, we're drawing closer to God and God is love. And out of that, we express love in so many other ways. So values are really important. Here, here's the last one I want to just point out, and it's called accountability. Okay, accountability. So um, how many of you are car buffs? Anybody a car buff? Anybody drive a car? Okay, everybody should raise your hand on that. See, in, in preacher school, they teach you about, okay, if they don't raise their hand, ask another question that everybody has to raise their hand. Okay, so anyway, so uh, think about that. So your engine, anybody ever have a check engine light come on? Yeah, if that's ever come on, that's kind of a scary thing. It almost means like game over, right? Or, or if you ever have had your car overheat, if the temperature gauge goes too high. So those are two things that will tell us the health of our car. If the check engine light comes on, Felix, that means trouble, right? If, if, if the temperature boils over and the radiator explodes, whatever, that tells us, well, see, that's the same kind of thing. We need friends in our life 
that could be our accountability partners. Not to just point out where we're bad or where we're missing the mark or, or you know, how cruddy we might be, but people who can check the temperature and say, listen, you shared with me at one time that this was your goal for life, and I wanna make sure that you achieve that goal, and, and here's some things that I'm seeing, and I wanna encourage you and, give you, and, and help you to make sure that you achieve that goal, and they check the temperature on that. And that's our accountability. Accountability partners are also people that, that, that can look us directly in the eye and call it for what it is and not play the flowery game of the superfluous relationships like, hey, what's the weather like? Did you like the ball game? Who won? No, but really look you in the face and say, how well is your soul today? How are you doing coping with the anger that you're under? They can ask those difficult questions, whatever they might be, and know that they do that out of love from an accountability standpoint. You see, many times in scriptures, God has, has brought those people into life. He brought prophets, and Nathan was a prophet. Nathan was the one who came to King David, and, and Nathan looked David in the eye when David had committed that sin of adultery, and, 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 and he said to David, you're the man. And he didn't do it just to expose the king's sin, he did it because of his love for David, that he was willing to um, absolve the whole friendship, die if he had to, so that the king could see that God had a bigger plan and a better plan, that the king could be a better person than what he was allowing himself to be. There are times, in addition to prophets, that God sends relatives. God sent Jethro. Jethro was the father-in-law of Moses, and, and Moses wasn't really this um, stalwart saint that we thought, that we think that he is sometimes. Moses got cowardly at times, and Jethro had to kick him in the pants, per se. Jethro had to go to him and force him and say, Moses, you have to take the mantle of leadership, and it's up to you to set up the first government of Israel, because if you don't do it, nobody else will. And Moses did exactly what he was told. Sometimes God sends friends our way. Titus, for instance. Titus was a friend of Paul, the apostle. You know, we think of Paul and we think about, you know, um, not only that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, we think about him like in a superhero status. But did you know that like Jeremiah and like Ezekiel and other great prophets, Paul also fought depression. The great man of God doing the work of God, but he was depressed a lot. And Titus came alongside as a friend. And Titus wanted to encourage him. And Titus recognized what, what it was that was the thorn in Paul's side that, that held him back. And Titus loved him and encouraged him. You see, God, God can send angels. God came into the world himself in the flesh as Jesus to make sure that we knew the importance of relationships, the importance of community. So as, so as we're kind of unpacking this whole piece of community, let me ask you, uh, you know, what, what kinds of people have, have, have you been putting together to lead in your life? Who do you surround yourself with day in and day out? What, what, what do they bring to the table? How do they complete you? And what do you give back to them in return? Well, that question was asked to the smartest man in the world, and the scriptures say that was who? King Solomon. And Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, a book of wisdom, Solomon talks about the importance of community. Solomon reminds us that God did not create us to be in the world by ourselves and merely be a us and God kind of faith or a me and Jesus kind of thing. So Solomon said it takes more than that. Here's what he writes. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, then they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. But here, here's the key. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You bring a tight community into your life, it's like taking multiple pieces of rope, and then you combine that with Christ in your life, and it is unbreakable. And so, again, reiterating the strength of what it means to, to be in community. So think about that for a second this morning. Who is your cord of three strands? Who's those other persons? Who are they that are in your life that make your life fulfilled? Which, which friends comfort you? Which friends wipe your tears? Which friends are, are fun to be around? Which friends teach you? Which friends lead you closer in your relationship with God? Which friends listen and don't speak? Which friends are there to build you up? You see, life will say, say that we have two kinds of people, right? The first kind of person that we have is, is someone whose life is evolving. They are growing closer to God in everything that there is about their life. The other kind of person we have in life is the one who's stagnating, the one who's not pursuing a relationship with Christ, the one who isn't pursuing anything other than maybe their own needs or wants. And the scriptures are very clear when we read them. The scriptures say, don't choose the person who's stagnating to be the influencer in your life. Choose the person who is growing in Christ and let that person be the influencer who makes the difference in your life. You see, sometimes we're, we're gonna be on like a mountaintop, right? Anybody ever have a mountaintop experience? You know, everything is great in life. You know, the money's coming in, the family's doing well. If, if you're married, uh, that's going great. If you're in recovery, your, your recovery's going well. Whatever it is, life is great. And then all of a sudden you have friends that are surrounding you. But you can not always be on that mountaintop experience, right? Sometimes you're, what, in the valley. And so, so it's not just the people who are with you when things are good, but it's also the people who are with you when, when the doors fall out, when the bottom falls out, when the wheels come off the bus. Who's walking with you in that journey? You see, we are there to help each other, to pick each other up, and to engage in that kind of relationship. Part of that relationship also is, is that we teach each other. You know, are you growing in your relationships, in your friendships? Are you learning from your friends? Are you learning from your relationships in whatever capacity they are? Are you learning from somebody else's experience? And likewise, are you teaching them your experiences? And together with those shared experiences, it builds a bond that is unbreakable. Paul writes this to the Church of Coloss. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish, as you, as you encourage, as you push along others with all wisdom. And then he says also, he says to the church in Ephesus, equip God's people to do his work to build up the church. And I love what Paul says here. Paul says it's not just the pastor's job or obligation to be the teacher, that we are to teach each other. And that in our relationships, that through that teaching of one another, we build up the body of Christ and the power from which that comes from that. You see, God didn't give all of us wisdom. God didn't make some people the smartest people of the world, others that are struggling. In fact, if somebody tells you that they know the answer to all the questions of life, don't believe them. They don't, they're just blowing smoke. So, so, so God has equipped us though, but all of us bring those different things to the table. You see, we need the Lord. We need each other. We need a team. The scriptures contain many verses that say one another. 
one another. In fact, in the New Testament, there's 55 references. You want to know what I do all day? I find stuff like that, okay? 55 references alone in the New Testament that has, has love one another or of another uh, components to that. And it's a reminder for us of how important that that really is. God expects we who are Christians to be together. He expects us also to bring new Christians into the fold. He calls us into this great relational ministry. He wants us to, to have a relationship that is meaningful. Meaningful with him, meaningful with others. And he wants us to incorporate this one another command into our life. That we're not merely just saying it, but we're living it. Paul writes to the church of Galatia, he says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So part of that community also is bearing our soul. It's bearing our soul, it's bearing our burdens. You're hurting, then I should be hurting. If I'm hurting, then you should be hurting. If, if, we, if we have a need, we should be fulfilling that together. And he also says in Romans 13, be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another. He says in Corinthians, have the same care for one another. You see the one another's, another, it's always there. I mean, Jesus is the greatest model of this. God, when God came in the flesh as Jesus in the world to demonstrate and to show how close he really is to us, don't you think God could have just done it all by himself? Don't you think instead of, you know, building a community of apostles and teaching the masses and doing healings and all the things that he did, don't you think that God could have just said, I'm just going right to the cross of Jerusalem and just get it over with? Jesus reached out. He built community to the point where, where he could look at Peter, James, and John. He could look them right in the eye on the night before he went to the cross and he could say to them, my soul is breaking over this decision. I am overwhelmed with grief. I don't know, can I really do this? And he could make himself vulnerable in that instant, divine yet human, coming together and colliding. And it was in that moment that Peter, James, and John saw the real Jesus. Community. You know, I don't, there's a story about geese. Some of you have heard this story. Maybe this is a new story for others. When geese fly, we don't see a whole lot of geese in Florida, but I know we have a lot of um, northern guests who, who connect. But when geese fly, they fly in what's called a V formation. They have a leader, and then they have geese that come out, so they're flying like in a V formation. And they're flying at a pretty brisk pace. When they analyze this V formation and they scientifically look at that, what they realize is the further you get down in the line, the less a goose has to flap his wings to stay in the formation. Because the work is being done from the front, from the leader, the first couple, and it, and it basically projects in some, some wind trajectory that then makes it easier for the rest of the geese not to have any trouble in, do, in flying. And if you ever heard a geese honking when they're flying, what they're doing is they're feeling the drag, and then they're honking to encourage the ones that are leading to flap harder so that that drag goes away. But here's something you might not have known about a goose. When geese are flying, if there's one that's ill, injured, sick, whatever, and it leaves the formation, did you know that two other geese will leave that same formation and they'll go huddle with that one? They will not leave that one goose alone. It is not ever left alone to to, to die or to be harmed. Those two will stay with it until that goose either dies or becomes well enough to join another flock. 
You see, that, that's what Solomon was talking about. That we need to entrust each other with that kind of relationship. That when we are surviving the wilderness of life, that that is how we get through it. That we take care of each other, that we support each other, that we encourage each other, that we love each other. Solomon said it again. He said, two are better than one because they have good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We survive the wilderness together. We are one, many as one, amen?